Ready? Born ready. Turkey Week uh, Thanksgiving, but we're back. We're back. It's another episode of your favorite political podcast, Where the Party At? I'm your host, Saba Long. Thank you always for rocking with us. It has been, you know, Thanksgiving was a whole week. Folks had time off. Kids were home, but the politics continued. There's a whole lot that has happened since we last recorded And so let me catch you up on what's going on and what you can be paying attention to. The first thing I want to start off with is not good. Uh, It's really sad and depressing. There have been a number of shootings in Atlanta, in the Atlanta area, over the past couple weeks. The most recent one that's getting a lot of attention was the shooting that happened outside of Atlantic Station. Over the weekend, five people were injured all under the age of 18. One person, Zion Charles, a 13-year-old boy, was shot and killed. I have a 13-year-old nephew, and so this one really hit home for me. Uh, The mayor, Andre Dickens, he did a press conference the day after the shooting, and in the press conference, I would have played you all a clip, but they did it outside, and it was so windy, and the sound quality just It would have driven you crazy. So I'm just going to share with you what he said. Um, At this press conference, he said that he talked to the parents of the kids who were shot and then the parents of the kid that was killed. And he said that many of these parents did not even know that their kids were at Atlantic Station. And they didn't even know that Atlantic Station has a curfew. So if you were under the age of 18, Atlantic Station... To be at Atlantic Station under the age of 18, you have to be with an adult. And uh, the current, so the time used to be 6 p.m. for that curfew. But then because of all what's been happening, they changed it to 3 p.m. I think they did that maybe in advance of the holiday season. And so the shooting happened at night, so well past 3 p.m. and well past 6 p.m. And so... When I look at this, my first thought was obviously it's insane to see that a 13-year-old kid is getting killed in Atlanta by um, by a gun or just period. And my other thought was, why was this 13-year-old kid at Atlantic Station on the weekend late at night with a, a group of minors? And I don't know, maybe it's just the way that I was raised. And this was before the age of, you know, find my iPhone, right? Where your parents can track you. But my parents always knew where I was. Now, maybe he lied and said, oh, I'm at so-and-so's house, right? But he was actually at Atlantic Station. That's possible. I don't know. It's it's, uh, it's no, um, well, first, there's no victim blaming, right? I wouldn't say that, but just in general, you know, parenting tip. Yeah. If your child, if your child is out and 
you know, they're mature enough to be out or out past a curfew or whatever. You just need to know where your kid is. Like, it's just common knowledge. Like, even if yeah. you don't know, like, ask yourself, hey, where's my kid right now? And whether your kid lives with you or not, you can still wonder. And if you don't know, call, text, contact the other parent, and yeah. maybe you two can figure out, hey, what's, what's going on? Like, where, where is little such and such? Like, you know, right. trying to figure out where, where, where you could be at, like, Cause that's anytime I see uh, things like this happen, I always think of that. Like my my son is a couple months away from being thirteen, so like yeah, I think I know where he is right now, right? Mm-hmm. But right now, if I even question, I can text him, right? Right? I know there's a tracker on this phone; we mm-hmm. can be tracked. There's a lot of things just to tell. So it's like the other part is if 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 I do track a phone. And you're 13, and I see you in Atlantic Station. Why? Like, what? Yeah. What's going? The first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna really, call you. But like, what the heck are you doing? Actually, I might start heading that way. Mm-hmm. You know, because I know you don't have no car. So mm-hmm. who's driving? Right. Who are you with? And are you in the bus or Uber? Either way, I'm tracking you, and I know I'm heading this way. And wherever you stay or end up, I'm there, and right. we'll go from there. Because what reason do you have to be there? You're not spending money. Like, cause there are, you know, that's, that's the other part about it too. With security is like, oh, well leave the premises. They just worry about the premises. They're not really worried about the person. Right. So like. They just want them off their property. They just want you out of the property, you know? And it's like, man, they could at least make sure those kids were secure somewhere. Yeah. You know, gone somewhere. But, you know, uh, rest in peace to that young man. I hope the other, uh people recovering yeah i think one is critically injured so mm-hmm. to be determined if they pull through mm-hmm. um and then zion charles the the young boy that died has a twin sister wow wow right and so it's just like their lives are forever changed and the other thing about like knowing if your child has a gun it's like you don't know though that's something you wouldn't know so that's something the police um chief i was about to say commissioner but we have chiefs in atlanta the police chief asked, like in the press conference, he asked parents to find out and make sure they know if their kids have weapons, if their kids have guns. In the, in the home, though. If they, well, the kid is hiding it in their room. I mean, oh yeah, I mean, so basically you're telling parents, hey, do a do a, <laughs> a cell check. You know what I'm saying? Listen, I feel like you should, but that still wouldn't tell me if he has one or not. You know, there's so many different yeah. things. What will let me know is, do I know where he's at? <laughs> is mm-hmm. he with me? When he's with me, I know he's, he doesn't yeah. have it. Because and, all know. these people were under, all these kids were under 18, mm-hmm. and they said they recovered, police said they recovered at least three weapons. Yeah, see, now you have to do IG. And listen, I mean, this that now that'll become a different podcast, right? Because yeah, was I under 18, and did I know which kids in school would be the ones to do that yeah mm-hmm. and then where were their parents mm-hmm. not at pta meetings but that's a right. different you know yeah the school superintendent was also at the press conference which i thought that's was good. interesting that's good well i mean you because that's what you need right it's it is it's you know yeah i wish they had like the pta president right there too because it's a parent thing too so right community thing yeah <sighs> Crazy. Yeah, it is. And, and and this is just one of the shootings that occurred in the past couple weeks. 
that involves teenagers, right? There was another, there was at least one other one that was also kind of big. Like, I, I don't know what's going on. I know the pandemic was, I mean, has been really hard on kids. It's been hard on adults, so certainly it's hard on kids. But we've got a real problem here. If you, we are losing kids to gun violence, kids. Yeah, I think, um, I think this goes to that, uh, we talked about it before in the podcast, um, conflict resolution. Exactly. That's, that's what yeah. this is. It's like, yeah. There was know, a beef that started earlier. I think the police chief said the, the beef, you know, kind of started maybe a couple weeks ago. The kids. And it just. It had, it, listen, just I saw you at the skating up. ring last right. weekend. It was a yeah. girl that I liked that you might have right. liked that I just thought you shouldn't have been with. But if that happened back in my day, you would at least fight it out. This fight. Right. There's nobody's taking your life. So. You know, like I said, that's a whole other podcast. What's the value of yeah. life? You know, but we talked about that on the pod before. That's real. Speaking of life, um, I'm going to talk about uh, some abortion law changes that have happened. A little bit of a seesaw here. Damn. So for the first time since the summer, abortions for women up to 22 weeks uh, was allowed for a few days this month. So Fulton County Superior Court Judge McBurney he wrote on November 15th that the six-week abortion ban was unconstitutional because it, aban- it bans abortion before viability. And that was a big thing, right? And he waited until after the general election to uh, issue his ruling. Um, but then on November 23rd, so Thanksgiving week, the Georgia Supreme Court reinstated the ban. And General... Uh, uh, Attorney General uh, Chris Carr appealed that ruling to the state Supreme Court. So now the six-week ban is back in effect. So unfortunately, there are women who were caught in this in-between where abortions were illegal for a quick period of time, and then that ban went back into effect. So that means that they would have to find you know, care outside of the state of Georgia uh, if they are beyond that six-week period. Full crazy. Um, Got to talk about the Senate race. So a few updates. Um, so after the Warnock campaign filed a lawsuit, weekend voting did happen after Thanksgiving Day. There was a lot of back and forth about this. Previously, the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, announced that weekend voting would be available. And then a couple days later, he rescinded it, saying it actually would break state law. Uh, something about when you can vote immediately after a holiday. Um, But again, Warnock's campaign filed a lawsuit and it went into effect, uh, weekend voting that is. So early voting from Saturday and Sunday, right after Thanksgiving. On Saturday, just uh, uh, 79,390 people voted early. And then on Sunday, 86,937 people voted early. And the numbers are showing that a lot of folks, uh, a lot of young folks, primarily college age, so that 18 to 21 demo, are the ones who took advantage of this weekend voting because they were home for the holidays. They didn't have to request an absentee ballot. And I know a number of students did request absentee ballots for the general, but either didn't get them in time or just wasn't able to get back to Georgia in time to vote for folks who were um in school outside of the state. 
there's also a little bit of drama on the Republican side of these. So there's these two factions kind of supporting Walker. One is a Kemp faction. Uh, the other is uh, more of a MAGA type of faction. Uh, but it could ultimately help Warnock or help Walker rather because you've got these two groups that are doing all they can to help get their voters out. And Kemp, uh, you know, in the general, Kemp really stayed on the sidelines and did not actively or even quietly support Walker. But now that it's a runoff, he's stepping up. So he's coming out more and more in support from fundraising to campaigning with him to sharing staff. Now, one person I haven't heard if they're helping Warnock uh, is Stacey Abrams. Now, Stacey Abrams aligned organizations are like New Georgia Project. They have done that throughout, uh, but not Stacey herself. I haven't heard if Stacey herself is helping him in any way, whether that's fundraising or, you know, some other some other way. M maybe it's not needed. I don't know. Um, curious to see what happens next and when she resurfaces. Uh, one interesting thing Warnock uh, has been doing lately, which I think is smart, is putting emphasis on voters who split their tickets. So these are voters who voted for Kemp in the general and then voted for Warnock in the general over Herschel Walker. So here's a new ad to help you get a sense of what type of person this might be. I'm Raphael Warnock, and I approve this message. I voted Republican most of my life, and I was proud to support Brian Kemp. The more I heard about Herschel Walker, I became concerned about huh? his uh, honesty, his hypocrisy, but also just his ability to lead. I just can't get past Herschel Walker's lack of character. The fact that he lies so freely is very concerning to me. At the end of the day, I have to vote for someone that I can trust and that has integrity, and I don't believe that is Herschel Walker. Damn. That's an effective ad. Um, it seems like it, at least, for, yeah, I think of suburban women in particular who might see that and say, okay, yeah, maybe I will uh, vote for Warnock or maybe I just won't come back out. All right, and so curious to see if that ends up happening where kind of like in the 2020 election and that runoff, where a Republican vote was suppressed and they actually did not come back out to vote in that runoff election. Another hot button issue that's uh, sort of related to Georgia, um, the former president, Donald Trump, uh, allegedly met with Nick Fuentes. He's a known racist and Holocaust denier. Uh, Kanye West may or may not have invited this guy to actually meet Trump in Mar-a-Lago. Um, this whole thing is just really crazy because Kanye just totally blew Trump's cover on this. Um, so there's been a lot of back and forth in the Republican Party about, you know, is Trump, you know, distancing himself from this Nick Fuentes guy? And will he denounce anti-Semitism in all its forms? Uh, one person who is, uh, is Brian Kemp. Uh, and he said this, and I quote, racism, anti-Semitism, anti and denial of the Holocaust have no place in the Republican Party and are completely un-American. Guess who's been silent on this topic? Herschel Walker. And he was asked, 
Um, another interesting thing about Kemp and maybe why he also kind of, you know, was very public about how he felt about um, this Nick Fuentes guy. Kemp has just created a federal PAC, Political Action Committee. So that's something to watch over the next year or so uh, to see how he raises money, where he spends that money, what type of candidates he supports. Uh, could this be Kemp exploring the idea of a presidential run in 2024? Or in 2026, will he challenge John Ossoff, who will be up for re-election? Uh, John Ossoff, the senator. So something to keep our eye on there. What happens with Kemp? Uh, and is he trying to build a national profile? Uh, so speaking of Republican establishment and Trump, I want you to listen to three different snippets of interviews from prominent national Republicans uh, who are trying to shed the Republican Party of the Trump uh, coat. The first one is Paul Ryan. Uh, Paul Ryan used to be the Speaker of the House. Uh, I want to say he was from Wisconsin. Um, kind of young, dynamic, got into it with Trump quite a bit, and Paul Ryan said, this is for the birds, and he left politics. So take a listen to his statement. What we now know, it's pretty clear, is with Trump we lose. So I don't mean this personally, it's just, it's just evidence. We lost the House in 18, we lost the presidency in 20, we lost the Senate in 20, and now in 2022, we should have and could have won the Senate, we didn't. And we have a much lower majority in the House um, because of that Trump factor. So I think it's just, it's palpable right now. We, we get past Trump, we start winning elections, we stick with Trump, we keep losing elections. That was Paul Ryan. Next is Chris Christie, who may or may not run for president in 2024. So of course he would dunk on Trump uh, if he decides to run, but a very similar tune to Paul Ryan. Take a listen. And losing and losing. And the fact of the matter is the reason we're losing is because Donald Trump has put himself before everybody else. Same for Mary. And the third person is Larry Hogan, um, who is uh, outgoing governor of Maryland, if I'm not mistaken. Has he's a he's a Republican, but has always kind of been seen as a middle of the road kind of pragmatic Republican. But again, singing from the same sheet of music. Take a listen to this. Trump was saying that we'd be winning so much, we'd get tired of winning. Well, I'm sick and tired of our party losing. And after this election last week, I'm even more sick and tired than I was before. Look, this is the third election in a row that we lost and should have won. I say three strikes and you're out. So this are, these are all of these folks responding to how Republicans performed in the midterms. Um, but the reality is that there's at least 30% of the Republican Party today that will absolutely support Trump no matter what. 
So what happens if Trump loses a primary to an establishment Republican like a Larry Hogan? Does a MAGA Republican vote Republican no matter what? Do they come back out and vote in the general election? Because you know Trump isn't going to isn't going to come back out and support a Republican in the general if he loses in the primary. Um, you know, does Trump run as an independent? I don't know. Uh, but, but it's interesting to see the establishment kind of step up their level of um, trying to, again, distance themselves from Trump, which <laughs> I, don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be possible, but we'll see. And they're dunking on them. <laughs> they are. Yeah. They are. Let's talk about something I've been mentioning on a few episodes, just to update. So the U.S. Justice Department is going to ask the Supreme Court to reverse the injunction that stopped the Biden White House from implementing the student loan debt relief program. Remember, the Biden administration said, hey, we're going to uh, relieve ten to $20,000 of student loan debt. And there was a lawsuit, and then there was everything was put on pause. Uh, the NAACP has worked closely with the White House on this. And they have said, hey, quote, we fully support extending the repayment pause until borrowers obtain the relief that they deserve and have been promised. And so the Biden administration said, we agree. And they extended that. I want to say the new date is in March 2023. Um, so it was supposed to have ended the pause in student loans. Uh, repayment was supposed to have ended in December, but they are extending that into the new year. I believe, it, again, it's March of 2023. Now, there are some folks who receive notifications that their uh, student loan debt um, application has actually been approved. And so as soon as the Biden administration wins in court, they will immediately go and approve those folks' loans, uh, their loan repayments. So 10000 or 20000 depending on if you qualify for the Pell Grant. Well, I know somebody that uh, listens to this podcast that didn't listen to the podcast and tried to apply late. And I said, apply said, early. You said it. I said, I yeah. said apply immediately. Listen to the podcast. I yeah. told y'all because because uh, now that they put a break on it, yeah, you can't you, even apply. Yeah, yeah. I saw it. My friend told me. Yeah. See, tune in, y'all. Um, we started with the shooting. I'm going to talk about another shooting. And this was in Colorado. This was the the shooting of the LGBT club. And I'm mentioning this because there's been a lot of conversation about this on the far right and on the far left. So the shooter was a 22 a 22-year-old person who maybe a couple days after the shooting this person said they identify as being non-binary. Right? So the initial thought was oh, this is a shooter, it's a white male, they're so anti-gay, they did this because of all the Republican vitriol and hate towards the gay community. Now, this person, the shooter, they were arrested last year for threatening their mom with a homemade bomb and guns, which is felony counts. Because of that, they should not have been allowed access to guns, to a weapon, but they were somehow. 
Uh, their grandfather is the California Republican State Assemblyman Randy Vopel, who called the January 6th attack the first shots fired against tyranny. Uh, but even more troubling, I would say, is the shooter's father, who I believe it's been shown or proven that he has had uh, trouble with addiction um, and is clearly homophobic. Take a listen to a snippet of an interview he gave shortly after the shooting. It might be a little hard to understand him, uh, but just take a listen to this. There was a shooting involving, you know, there were multiple people. Right. And then I thought, later on, I thought to find it's a, a gay bar. Yeah, right. And, uh, and, and I was like, oh my God, is he gay? As a scare, oh my God, shit, is he gay? Hmm. And he's not gay, so it's like, it's, it's, Well, you guys have had conversations <clears throat> about that. You, you were... Oh, yeah, so like, I, you, you, I was you adamant him, Yeah, you were adamant that gay is, gay adamant, is bad. Yeah. I'm, I'm a Mormon. I'm a conservative Republican, and we don't do gay. We don't do yeah. gay. We don't do gay. Yeah. I can't get answers from the attorneys, really, but they're saying that somebody's you know, it's involved in a gay bar or some shit. I don't know. Um, I don't know what the heck you did at a gay bar. Um, I don't know what's going on. Well, he's accused of going on a mass shooting at a gay bar and killing five people. Colorado. Okay, well, well, that's how shit. If he's accused of doing that, I, I, I'm not gay. I don't know if he can say that, but he's not gay. <laughs> Yeah, I, I read, I saw that and I was like, what? So I just can, that seems like an incredibly dysfunctional, sad, sick family. Um, now, there's a lot of rhetoric on the right that is clearly homophobic. It's clear that the father is homophobic. Um, and so there's this thing about, oh, well, because this person identifies as non-binary, then it, it's almost like, Folks on the right are trying to say the shooting isn't, you can't blame it on the right, but you can blame it on the right because it made me think about the, the shooting of the, um, the spa shooting that happened here in Georgia, right? And, and the person who did the shooting did it because he said, I, I, I frequent these places and I feel morally convicted by it. And so because of the sexual deviant, yes, mm -hmm. right. Because of that, I'm going to kill you. And I, it seems like the same thing happened here, right? In the sense of I'm struggling with my sexual identity and my sexual feelings. And because you're not, or because of whatever reason, I'm going to attack you, even though I'm struggling with this internally. And I'm really of your community. I'm still going to attack you. That's what this was and the only reason why that happens is because you have a family that clearly does not support you right I mean, it seems like this there's no way they would have been able to have a conversation with their parents or parents about this or certainly and their grandfather um and it's clear that a support system was not there for them to cope and think through um and just deal with uh, what they're feeling and and the, all the emotions that come up with that um, and yes, it's not helpful when you have folks say things, the level of vitriol towards the gay community on the right is, it's next level. All right, our last kind of big topic. Um, I've been meaning to talk about, I've been meaning to bring this up for like two or three weeks now. So finally, it's here. <laughs> um, there's a real risk of a railroad strike if you have not heard about this. Um, so the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the National National Association of Manufacturers, 
and the National Retail Federation sent a letter to Congress urging them to step in and help avoid a strike. Now we're taping on Monday. Who knows what might happen Tuesday because it's that fluid and that serious of an issue. Now in the letter, these businesses said, quote, a potential rail strike only adds to the headwinds facing the U.S. economy. A rail stoppage would mean immediately would immediately lead to supply shortages and high prices. The secession of Amtrak and commuter rail services would disrupt up to 7 million travelers a day. Many businesses would see their sales disrupted right in the middle of the critical holiday shopping season. So we last talked about this in September because at that time, President Biden and the administration were able to avoid a strike before the midterms. Biden had convened what is called a presidential emergency board to negotiate with the 12 railroad unions and the railroad companies. Now that board had recommended a 24% wage increase over five years. So that was retroactive to start in 2020 uh, and then $5,000 in bonuses over time. But not every union signed on to that agreement, uh, but folks agreed to something called a cooling off period, which is mean basically like we're going to hold or, or going to hold our fire, so to speak, uh, before taking things up a notch and actually striking. So why are the workers striking or wh- why are they considering striking? I should say uh, they are pushing for paid sp- uh, sick leave. So to be specific, the Brotherhood of Maintenance of Way Employees Division Union, they requested to receive seven days of paid sick time off. So from everything I've read, railroad workers receive short-term disability, but not paid sick time off. Uh, The following major railroads said no to the sick leave request in the negotiations. Union Pacific, BNSF, Norfolk Southern, which is headquartered right here in Atlanta, CSX, and Kansas City Southern. So it seems like the primary driver for the workers is around quality of life issues. Like again, sick leave, uh, being there on call 24-7 often. This really happened a lot during the pandemic where they were just on call. And because you're on call, if you've ever worked a job where you're on call, that means you you're off work, but not really, right? You got to kind of stay in the same area. You can't be out partying. You can't be out doing something where they call you and you're not available to immediately answer that call. Um, the other issue was not having enough breaks in between trips. Um, now, those issues were not addressed by that presidential board. They only addressed pay, the actual like salary. Uh, the other issue for these workers is that Over time, the railroad companies have eliminated nearly 50,000 jobs. And so that means a two-person crew is now a one-person crew, right? It's just one person handling that that train, uh, which could pose a safety risk, right? So the unions and the railroad companies have until December 8th to reach a deal and avoid a strike that would start on December 9th, just around the corner. Could that affect, like, Christmas goods? Everything. Everything. So, yeah. So the Biden administration 
they're not convinced that the unions and the railroad companies are going to actually meet this deadline. So all 12 of these unions have to vote individually to ratify their contract, to sign and make that contract legal. And if one union moves to strike, it's highly likely that all of the unions will strike in solidarity. And by the way, we're talking about more than 115,000 rail workers, just to give you some perspective on how big of a strike this is. So what could happen? I mentioned that these businesses have emailed or sent a letter to Congress saying, hey, can you step in here? And they could. So Congress could impose uh, contract terms if the unions and the railroad companies are not able to reach a deal. And my guess is it would be probably similar. The terms would probably be similar to this presidential board that had already started the negotiations between the unions and the railroad companies. So if that happens, it would probably start in the Senate and then go to the House. Um, for it to pass the Senate, it would require 60 votes. So that means it has to truly be a bipartisan effort. So in the meantime, the companies who need to ship goods are making other plans. Uh, and so just to give you a sense of how serious this is, some chemicals, like things like chlorine, carbonate, fertilizers, they will not be transported after December 3rd because in the case that they go on strike, they can't have those items stuck on a train, right? Because they're explosive or they just could be dangerous if left unattended. So back in September, when we first thought that the strike was going to occur like on this whole chemical thing, there are nearly 2,000 carloads of chemicals that were not sent by rail because of concern that it would shut down and then again those chemicals could get into the wrong hands. So to your point Keith, a strike would absolutely impact the economy especially during the holiday season. Not just gifts, groceries are often shipped by rail, clothes, batteries, it just those everyday items that we buy and we just assume you go to the store, mm -hmm. you order on Amazon, whatever it is, and it's going to be there. So if you listen to the pod, you know, get your I, Christmas I was, gifts I, now. Now nah, I was going to tell you, I, listen, I was going to get you, but the railroads, you know, so I mean, the railroads <laughs> go on strike, you know, I can't get you. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Is that, that's the line you're telling the kids? Getting ready, <laughs> getting, getting ready for it. <laughs> Let me explain to you how strikes work right, and why the union right. is so important. Exactly. See? You had to plan to see it early. There you go. Now, I will say this. there's If they go on strike, I think there's going to be a lot of public attention and media conversation about the employees going, the workers going on strike. I encourage you to not take any frustrations out on the workers. It takes two to tango. I mean, they just want seven days pay sick leave. That doesn't sound hard. No. That, and like, some just, were willing to do two days. See, that's now it sounds like y'all are just trying to squeeze more out of me. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. And, and you know, the other thing I didn't mention uh, earlier is that these railroad companies did stock buybacks. So these are pr very profitable companies who, like a lot of other companies during the pandemic, have seen record profits. Uh, and there's a lot of pushback on actually making, uh, letting that profit trickle down to the employee. Now, is a 
um, pay increase great over a five-year period? Yes. Now, one thing I don't know is what was their pay, their last pay increase, right? So is this them just catching up or is this something substantially better? Um, you know, railroad workers were considered essential workers during the pandemic. And like a lot of other essential workers during the pandemic, they got increased pay and then that stopped, right? And so we saw that happen with grocery store clerks, with bank tellers, with a lot of folks who were deemed essential, but then now oh, we're no longer paying you that additional uh, increase. It's just an, an interesting thing. Party pooper and party starter. Turn out the lights. The party's over. <laughs> the party is over. Close the gates. What? All right. Party's over. Everyone go home. Are you sure you want to invite this party pooper to poop on your party? I'm the party pooper. <laughs> okay. My, I have two party poopers. My first one is this is a little generic but it's a voting system the fact that it has taken weeks and weeks and weeks to count the votes across the country and determine who won and who lost i mean literally it was, i think it was about three weeks um for some races to be called and then you even have some there i know there's at least one arizona county right now where they're not able to certify the election. Uh, we saw this happen in other counties too, even in Georgia, in Cobb County, where at one point they thought one person won, and then they said, oh, no, let's backtrack. Actually, the other person won. We have got to figure out a way, we at the collective we, the country, uh, Secretary of State's office, the election staff, we've got to figure out a way to count the votes accurately, correctly, quickly, um, and in a way that folks can trust, uh, because it, this is the kind of stuff that just is a breeding ground for other January 6th, for election deniers, for all of that. Um, you know, this is one of those things I'm like, there's got to be, whether it's technology or something, I don't know what the answer is, but that's something we've got to figure out. My other party pooper is the Qatar World Cup. Um, I haven't had a chance to watch a match yet, uh, but it's my pooper because between the FIFA uh, multi, it was like a, I don't know, six part series on, on uh, Netflix. And then there were a number of other things that just about the level of corruption in this World Cup is absolutely insane. The World Cup is coming to Atlanta and what was it? 2026, I think <laughs> is the year. Uh, I think it is in Yeah. So let us hope and pray that ours is, um, I'm just going to say less corrupt. I'm not going to say not corrupt at all. I'm just going to say less corrupt. Because uh, that not corrupt at all might be a, a bar that we're not able to, to make. <laughs> um, party starter. Gosh, I don't know, Keith. I might have to pass the, pass the ball to you on this one. Is there someone or something that we should consider as a party starter for this week? <clears throat> nah, man. Party starter? I can't think of a, a, a party starter. I'm trying to think. I know. I was I was thinking about it like 
for three days straight. I was like, who has done something that's worth praising? You know, and as soon as we say we don't have one, I don't know. It'll come to us at like midnight. Yeah. Uh, politics wise, I heard. No. All right. That just means y'all need to do yeah. better. <laughs> I mean, I, you're, I think you already kind of covered some of the party started things for me. Like the Republican Party waking up to Trump, um, Biden extending the student uh, loan student debt. Because the first thing I thought was, okay, well, if they're going to hold it in the courts and you have right. the power to pause it until <laughs> we win again. Yeah. Just, uh, it'll be just on pause for two years then. Yeah. You I know? mean, it's been on pause since the start of the pandemic practically. Yeah, but so. it'll just be on pause and, you know. Now, what I don't want them to do is use it as a political volleyball, but it doesn't seem like they are. It seems like they've been trying to push it through. So, yeah, you know, I think you've already kind of hit my party starters. All right. That, that I've seen. So, you know, and, uh, you know, Turkey Day, everybody was uh, giving hey. thanks. So, you know, just uh, happy for another week. <laughs> That's it. And then you got to get ready for Christmas. So buy your yeah. gifts now. Yeah, buy your gifts or, now. Or blame it on the strike. And, uh. You will be getting some pre-recorded episodes because, you know, yes. Christmas time, holiday time. So, uh, you know what? If y'all got a party starter, call us up. Hey. Hit the voice note link and tell us your party starter. We'll play it next week. There we go. All right, y'all. That's today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in to Where the Party At.